Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand-picked expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Rayleigh Alou. And welcome back to Knocked Up, the podcast about fertility and women's health. You are joined, as always, by me, Geordie Morrison, and Dr. Raylia Liu, CREI Fertility Specialist. Welcome back, Raylia. Yeah, today we're talking about the cervical screening tests and some changes that have happened. Why is this important to talk about now? Screening tests used to be called pap smears, and that's what a lot of people still think of them as. And when they were pap smears, what we used to do was take a little scraping of cells from the cervix and look at those cells under a microscope to see if we could pick up some early changes that can tell us someone's at risk of getting cervical cancer. Over the last few decades, we have learnt a lot about cervical cancer and how it's caused. And we've discovered that the main cause of cervical cancer is actually a virus called human papillomavirus. But the plot thickens because there are literally hundreds of different types of human papillomavirus. And some of them are worrying and can cause pre-cancer and cancer changes. And some of them are less worrying and we don't really need to be too concerned about it what we've discovered is that actually now we can test for the dna of the virus and if we know someone has a virus on their cervix we can triage i suppose them into the category of risk that we need to watch them carefully Whereas if somebody doesn't have a virus, when we know the virus is what causes cancer change, they don't need to be watched as closely. So new cervical screening programs, instead of lumping everyone together into a, or every, every two year smear, it actually looks at who needs to be watched more carefully and who can have fewer interventions in terms of screening. It used to be more frequent as well that we needed to come in for cervical screening. What changed there? So that's the triage. What used to happen is everyone was treated the same. We didn't look for the virus per se. We looked at the cells of the cervix and whether they were changing. So we were looking at the effect rather than the cause. Whereas now what we're doing is we can check if the virus is there as the first level of screening. And if the virus is there then we check more carefully. And if the virus is there, we need to check for cells as well. Because the virus is not a cause of cervical cancer in everybody who has it. Not everyone with the virus will have cervical cancer changes. It's a risk factor. Think of it as a risk factor for getting them. So if you do have a viral type that's high risk, 
what we do is take those cells that we always took and look at them and see if you not only have the virus but you have changes in the cells. If that's the case, we look much more closely using a follow-up appointment where we have a look at your cervix with a microscope called a colposcope and sometimes then we take it further by taking a little sample of cells um, in a biopsy from the cervix to check if changes are serious. So some people will need to be watched more carefully and might even be watched every single year whereas others may be given a bit of an all clear and checked every five years. And the biggest change is that now we can self-collect our samples? Yes, because we're looking for the presence of the virus, not the cells, we can actually now self-collect our samples. So instead of going to a doctor to get a pap smear where a speculum instrument is put in the vagina, opened up so you can see the cervix and a visual scraping of the cervix is sent, nowadays you can actually do a self-collected screening test where you probably still go to a a doctor or medical centre, but you're given a swab to insert into the vagina yourself, swizzle it around, and that swab doesn't have to be super accurate and touch the cervix itself. It's looking for viral DNA, and so that means that it can pick up the test without being visually collected and so a person can do it themselves and I think that's a lot less invasive and and hopefully more people will do it uh, on time when they self-collect. I guess another thing just to mention is that well another great revolution in cervical screening is the vaccine against human papillomaviruses type 16 and 18 particularly. I know the most up-to-date vaccines are actually nine valent, meaning there are nine different types of HPV virus that are protected against by the vaccine. But if people are vaccinated against the type of virus that causes the most cervical cancers, uh, our screening options also are impacted by that because we're going to design tests to pick up people who have risks from the remaining viral types but there's a lot less cervical cancer around so our programs are to some degree affected by that just strategically. How do you know if the self-collected sample is appropriate for you? This is something to discuss with your GP and they'll be able to let you know. What do you need to do if you're self-collecting and how does it differ from a procedural perspective? So it's just literally a swab, which is basically a cotton Q-tip in a sterile bottle. And you just literally insert it into the vagina and swizzle. So that's all you need. A bit like a COVID test, which we're now used to doing? A little bit, yeah, except not up the nose. And how does that differ from when it's done by a doctor? Uh, When we do a cervical screening test in the clinic, what we do is we visualise your cervix. So we use the instrument called a speculum, which looks a bit like a duck's bill. It's either made of plastic or metal and allows us to see your cervix. And we can take the sample type that's both checking for DNA and cells at the same time. If you do a self-collected sample and it finds that you actually do have HPV virus of a worrying type the next thing you'll be asked to do is see a doctor for a collected sample 
but by offering self-collected sampling to the community checking for viral DNA, what that will do is it will mean that all the people who have a normal smear and who don't have the virus won't have to have that speculum examination. So only people who have a virus there will have to have a doctor physically look at their cervix and take a cell sample. Now, many women will agree that having a pap smear, while it's not something that uh, is a terrible thing, it's also not something anyone really looks forward to. So if we can have self-collection become the norm that women go to first, a lot less of us will have to have that uncomfortable experience. And is the frequency of the self-test the same? It's also five years? Yes. So the reason for that is that it's not overnight that having a virus causes cancer. And it's estimated that if somebody has a negative test, so they don't have any virus at all, then even if they catch HPV the next day with a new sexual partner, it will take five years or more for a cancer to develop as a result of having had that HPV. These changes take a long time in general. And so the screening interval or how often you have to have the test is the same, whether it's a doctor collecting the sample or a patient collecting their own sample. The caveat is that if you do have the virus, if that's found on a test, then unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, you're not on that five-year program anymore. You're on the annual surveillance program as soon as you have a positive test. That will mean that even if you do a self-collection and you get a positive test, you'll have to come to your doctor for a more traditional style sampling annually until that virus is gone. And is self-collection as accurate as a doctor-administered test? In terms of picking up whether HPV is present, yes, it is. And that's the reason for the change. All screening tests are different from what we call diagnostic tests. So screening tests don't diagnose a problem. They pick up someone at risk. And cervical screening is designed to pick up people at risk of cervical cancer. And then further tests are done for people who are diagnosed to be at risk to figure out whether they have a problem currently or not. And also if they have a serious problem or an early change of the cervix. So once we figure someone's at risk, there's a whole diagnostic cascade to figure out what kind of risk are they at, what kind of surveillance do they need, is any treatment warranted right now, or do we just keep a close eye? So that's not going to change. That's still something that your doctor will manage for you if you're determined to be at risk. What is different is that the screening test, the checkup, so to speak, um, can be made less invasive and can be more self-directed. It's just as accurate. And if a problem is flagged, then we will recall you for the same kind of treatment that we would if your doctor did the test in the first place. And how do I arrange the self-collection test? You will still arrange your self-collected test through your healthcare provider. Um, You might book in at your doctor's office or you might um, book in at a community health centre. In some places it might be a nurse-led test. Uh, In that case, um, you should make a time and appointment to confirm that 
they have self-collection facilities at the clinic that you plan to attend and also to make sure that that is the right thing for you given your medical history and previous screening tests. How long and how long after doing the test would you expect to hear back if there's any further steps? That might differ clinic to clinic in terms of the pathology company they use and what their turnaround times are, but you should be able to get a result within at most a couple of weeks. If you are having the test done in clinic, the doctor doing the test will use a speculum. What's the process there? So the speculum is an instrument to see your cervix. The cervix is the neck of the womb and the cervix is hidden away from view. So unfortunately, as a gynecologist, if we want to see a cervix, we have to use, I won't say an instrument of torture, but we have to use a a medical device called a speculum so that we can actually hold the vaginal walls apart and actually see the cervix and we need some light to be able to see it because it's at the end of a dark tunnel, which is the vagina. I've heard speculums called different things by different people. Uh, One term that came to mind that one of my patients used was the clamp. Uh, Nobody has a fond recollection of a speculum. The metal speculums can be a little bit cold, um, even though they can be pretty much the best way to see the cervix from a doctor's perspective. A plastic speculum can make a yucky clicky sound, which can be a little bit off-putting. Uh, There's no nice way to look at a cervix, but because it's located at the top of the vagina, if we want to see it, we need to use an instrument so that we can. So doing a cervical screening test in the traditional way is definitely a little bit uncomfortable and it can actually be impossible for some people who have vaginismus to tolerate when somebody has hyperactivity of the pelvic floor causing sexual pain and and inability to tolerate anything in the vagina and the other thing to mention is that people who are going through perimenopause and menopause can sometimes have changes in the vagina making their vaginal mucosa more fragile and speculum examination after menopause can be a lot less tolerable and comfortable so women in this category uh, may also really prefer self-collection of cervical screening and um, I might just add a shameless plug for lovers our lubricant brand that's revolutionizing the way that women in perimenopause and menopause experience intimacy using a lube both when you do a an examination but also for sex and self-pleasure can be life-changing particularly for women in perimenopause and menopause We'll leave some resources to this in the show notes, as always. And thank you, Raylia, for today's episode. Thanks, Jordi. It's an important topic that's relevant to all of us. To support Knocked Up, leave us a review or recommend to a friend. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and join Raylia at Dr. Raylia Lou. And email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. 